How's it going, Christina? How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. So welcome, everybody, to the uh, Loro Antonio Sports Talk podcast. I'm your host, Loro Antonio. So welcome, everybody, to the NBA segment. And Christina's back with me for another week of NBA talk. So let's start off with a recap of last Friday's Lakers game against the Nets, which was a loss. And then and then they were on a little bit of a two-game win streak, and then they ended up losing to the Jazz. So the Lakers show that when they won those – when they were on a mini two-game win streak, it just told me that why didn't they play like this to begin this – why didn't they play like this in like January or something? I completely agree. I think they kind of felt like, you know, we need to really get some of these W's and really kind of just try and turn around our – the second half of our season, unfortunately, was a little bit too late, especially seeing as they lost to the Nets, which really solidified the fact that they weren't going to the playoffs. Um, it was a disappointment, and hopefully they can really just continue, pick up the momentum, and um, grab a win tonight against the Hornets. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute, and uh, I want to get your take on this uh, article that that was written, and I was told about this on a on a podcast on uh, Wednesday or something, if I'm not mistaken, that Luke Walton just said this about the firing rumors of, of the Lakers. He said that I fully expect to be the Lakers head coach for the 2019-2020 season. What do you think of all that? I mean, I think it's, you know, kind of calming the storm, if you will, or putting out the fire before or getting prepared for the fire before it even happens. Um, I think that he knows that he's on the chopping block, but I think to to minimize, you know, um, what's going on in the locker room and to really get his guys focused in and not really worried about what's going on with the organization and who's going, who's staying. I think he's just really playing it safe. And I, and I mean, understandable too. Granted, he does want to keep his job. So I think that with him coming out and saying that he's positive that he's going to be the head coach is just really making sure that there's positive energy left and still surrounding the team. Yeah, and also I want to get your take on this. Tyron Liu was was spoke was speaking about the head coaching Lakers rumors and said that he hasn't been contacted about the Lakers job, according to what Tyron Liu is saying. I mean, I can see that. As we all know, um, LeBron James, when he was in Cleveland, he wasn't the biggest fan of Ty Lu. So I don't, and I, as we know, LeBron James is the focal point of the Lakers. I mean, they're going to build their team around him going forward, you know, to really hopefully clinch the playoffs um, with the next coming, next upcoming next um, seasons that they have with LeBron. And I think they're going to cater to him and swing to um, what he likes. And he's not a big fan of Ty Lu. And I think if they want a coach that's going to be coachable with LeBron, work well with him, and also be a good coach for the guys that they're going to hopefully pick up or the, or the team that they're going to have now. I think that Ty Lue is not the best fit for it. So you think he's not the best fit for LeBron? No, I don't think so. I think if, like I said, I think LeBron is mainly, is more vocal than maybe he lets on about who he likes as a head coach or how he sees fit when it comes to being on a team. And I think that if Lakers want a shot at really capitalizing LeBron and really making him happy, so to speak, I think that they're going to play to what he likes. Like I said, he is the leader of the team. 
he is the focal point of the franchise, and they're going to have to make him happy. They're going to have to make LeBron happy and uh, find a head coach that could uh, fit fit his system and fit his learnings, learning curve, you know. And uh, I th- we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's only two more weeks left of the season, and uh, I think this Lakers team can uh, can finish out the season strong and, and convince and that they and that Luke Walton can convince the front office, like, hey, I still want to be their head coach. I agree. I think that within these two weeks, they just really need to rally together, put everything that's happened throughout the rest of the season behind, and just focus on these next two weeks. Um, and I think that if they do that, I think it not only puts them in a better position, hopefully, um, when it comes to, you know, seeing what the guys can do and, um, even for guys that, you know, don't really get a lot of minutes that are out on the floor now, just showing what they can do and hopefully um, solidifying a spot for them, but also putting Luke Walton in a better position and, and in better light with the um, with the organization. Yeah, you must be right about that. So now, uh, now that being said, let's talk about uh, your reaction to how, if you watch the Manu Ginobili jersey retirement, so... I thought I watched the highlights of the ceremony. It was a pretty good ceremony. I agree. I, I didn't watch the full thing. I did catch some of the highlights. I thought it was a really meaningful ceremony. I thought it was, I thought it's what you expect to see when someone is retiring their jersey. Yeah, and uh, and Manu is part of that Spurs Big Three that was part of four championships. No, yeah, he was. He was there. And I thought. I thought. They did a fantastic job, you know, honoring what he did and everything like that. Um, I thought it was great, and I think it's, I think it should be inspiration for other players now in the league as well. Yeah, and uh, I think who's which Spurs going to go up into the San Antonio Spurs uh, Arena Rafters? I think the next one is Tony Parker. Oh, of course, absolutely, well deserving for his jersey to be up on the rafters. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's get tonight's Lakers game. So let's talk about for the Lakers. What do they need to do in order for them to kind of like bounce back from that loss against the Charlotte, the Utah Jazz? A lot. Um, I think they really need to hone in on their shooting, as we've been saying throughout the course of the season. I think their defense is a little bit lacking as well. And I think they need to be careful because – you know, the Hornets are really putting up shots. You know, Kemba Walker had 30, 38 points against the Spurs. You know, and he's averaging 30 points, eight rebounds, nine assists during their stretch so far. And, you know, they are they are on a four-game winning streak. So it would be nice if we can kind of stop them where they're at. Um, as well, um, Dwayne Bacon is really putting up some numbers. He had um, two career best on this stretch, 20 points um, against the Raptors and 24 against the Spurs. And he's made 9 out of 15 from the three line, which isn't too bad. So, again, they really need to play good defense, really need to stick with their man, um, you know, and just really focus on another big thing, too, turnovers. You know, Lakers can get a little bit messy scrambling in the third and going into the uh, and, and into the late in the fourth. So I think if they can really tidy up when it comes to um, the offensive end, and really with fast breaks, I think that we have a shot at taking this game. And I think, too, we just need to make sure we play until the clock is done. I think we kind of give up a little bit 
in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, we're, you know, we have a really tough, um, really good stretch, and then we kind of lose it at the end. And as we saw the Hornets with the Raptors, we don't want to be um, allowing them to get a half-court buzzer beater. Oh, my gosh. That was – when I saw that, I was like – Man, how did that happen? They just got they got a lucky win. They did. I mean, it's one of those shots where you always, you know, a lot of fans don't even look at it. As you guys, as you saw, a lot of the guys on the court didn't think nothing of it. And when it went in, everyone's reaction was just completely jaws open and utter shock. I mean, it was it was definitely a great um, season highlight moment. If that that's for sure, a disappointing loss for the Raptors, but a definitely a good highlight moment. Um, for this um, NBA season. Yes, absolutely. So now let's go to NBA Friday. So the, I think the Lakers should win this game and spoil the Charlotte Hornets playoff hopes. So we'll say, we'll say that. And uh, let's and I'll tell you my picks for NBA Friday. So I have the Pacers beating the Celtics, the Blazers beating the Hawks, and then the Warriors beating the T-Wolves, and then uh, the, the Thunder beating the Nuggets, for playoff positioning, and then the Jazz beating the Wizards. I would agree with everything that you said. And I want to get your take on this. Tell me your reaction on the Joseph Mirkic horrific leg injury. Oh, I saw it and I cringed. I mean, oh, the way he went down, oh my goodness. I think you can even see the players' reactions. They didn't want to look. They didn't even, you know, rush, rush towards him. And I think it's a huge loss for the Blazers right now. I think that they're, you know, as we know, they're, you know, um, going to be in the playoffs. But again, they tend to, you know, kind of burn out a little bit. And I think they're a little bit in a rut right now with him being out. You know, it's not looking as serious as it was on camera, but mm, I don't know about that. I mean, uh, it's, a, it's a terrible accident and I, I, I feel for him. Yeah, so you think the Blazers are still going to make a deep a deep playoff run without near kitchen because you know you still have Lillard and CJ. You still do, but I think they're going to be impacted just a little bit. Um I think they can still make a run. Um I think but I think it's going to be a little bit tough on them. It could be uh, yeah, I agree cuz near kitchen is really one of their key pieces in the in the middle. Exactly. And when you come when it comes to playoffs it's a whole different game as everyone knows. And I think you lean more towards those key players um, going into the playoffs and really um, ca- really um, capitalizing and looking to what they can do um, for the team. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. So now let's talk about the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 preview. So there's some Sweet 16 games today, and Duke is actually playing today in the East region. So tell me, I think Duke's going to win this game, and I think when Michigan State plays – in the Sweet 16, I see Duke and uh, and Michigan State playing in the Elite Eight. I do too, but if I think back to the season, um, I believe when Virginia Tech and Duke matched up, you know, Virginia Tech really held them. Virginia Tech's defense is really, really good. So it worries me a little bit also because when they hold them out like that, as we saw with, um, who was it again? Duke and US, UCF. Um, UCF held them too, and as we know, Duke is not the strongest three-pointing team, three-point shooting team. So when you get when you get matched up with good defensive teams, they're going to play to your weakness, and they're going to hold you on that perimeter line and make you go for those long shots. 
and Duke just isn't putting them up right now. And you know, with with also Virginia Tech being a good defensive team, it, they kind of also minimize them driving into the paint, which we know R.J. Barrett likes to do, and especially Zion Williamson with his size and athleticism. So I think it's going to be a tough game throughout. I think it's going to be a really close match like um, yesterday with Tennessee and Purdue. It's going to be an exciting match, and hopefully we're going to see some madness um, during March Madness, um, Sweet 16 runs. Yeah, you're, you're, right, you're, you're right about that. And uh, question of the day is for the draft prospects. So you see Williamson, Barrett, Morant going in that order in the draft, one, two, three. But I think the Cavs end up with the number two pick and they get R.J. Barrett. And I think John Morant will be a Phoenix Sun at three. Oh, so you, you think John Morant is going to be number three? Yeah, in the top, he'll be in the top three. Yeah, definitely, you know? no question about it, top three. I personally would like to see him go um, over um, R.J. Barrett. I know as a Canadian, you know, I'm rooting for him. He's done great. But I think that John Morant, just watching what he did um, with Murray State's somewhat of a short run in the NCAA tournament, I like what he did. I think he's a phenomenal guard, and I think he hasn't even hit his ceiling yet. Um, I think that he's a little bit more of a skillful player. I think... He can make big plays. And I think what he's shown, I think he seeds a little bit higher than R.J. Barrett right now. I think I need to see more from R.J. Barrett, especially in tonight's game. And I think if they're able to pull off the W against Virginia Tech, I really need to see um, Duke's, um, Duke's dynasty, you know, their top players on the team, really, really push it hard um, continuing into the tournament. So for me, I'm going to go Williamson, Williamson at number one. Morant number two and Barrett number three. So Barrett, you think you say Barrett number three to the Cavs, and then uh, Morant number two to Phoenix. exactly. Because I do, I do think that it's, it's going to be a foregone conclusion that John Morant will be a member of the Phoenix Suns because I think he and Devin Booker will be a good uh, backcourt combo. Absolutely, together. and I think that the season that Devin Booker and Booker is having, I think he's really, you know, stepping up and really, really coming into his own game with the Suns um, I think that he's also kind of stepping more into that um, leader role playmaking role and I think to have an asset like John Morant beside him I think it's only going to work to his advantage as well as Morant's and as well as to the Suns um, advantage as a whole and I see RJ Barrett being a good compliment to Colin Sexton and I think when the Cavs release Kevin Love's contract off the books then their rebuilding mode is on absolutely absolutely and then I and I do think Zion will be the franchise player of the New York Knicks along with the Kevin Knox. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the Knicks are going to really solidify a great um, NBA um, draft pick. Um, you know, they're really going to get lucky with this guy. As we all know, his athleticism, athleticism, his size, what he can do. I mean, there's no question about it that we're looking at, you know, a great um, NBA star. Um, all-star at that, and maybe even someone that's going to carry on the torch of being um, one of the greatest NBA players to ever do it. Yeah, absolutely. So now, so now with that being said, um, let's talk about who should the Lakers target with the 12th pick in the draft for me. I'm not going to commit to one player yet because I think all options are on the table because I think the Lakers pressing me this summer is – I feel like that – 
they, they're going to develop Mo Wagner and a good dominant rim protector and also a stretch five. But I also think the Lakers need some uh, bench depth that could that like somebody can co- come off the bench and be a good six man, like defend the wing, defend the perimeter and shoot from the outside. Absolutely. I agree with you. I think it's a little bit too early to commit on one player specifically. I think um, I'm going to be scouting out as we watch these games and the NCAA tournament, just seeing um, what the guys can bring and some of the draft pick, the NBA prospects that are out there right now, names are out there. But I think that, as we all know, Lakers have struggled shooting from the free throw line as well as a three from the three. I think they need to look at some guys that can really shoot well inconsistently, someone that is reliable on when they step on the floor, you know they're going to bank their shots. I think we're also going to really need to look for someone that's a good defender, um, you know, really good with the, um, and a really good rim protector. I think the Lakers really lost out and are really going to regret um, trading Zubas to the Clippers. I think he's a guy that would be a good, uh, has the potential to be a good big, and I think he's done really, really well in the Clippers. So I think if we can kind of grab somebody in replace of Zubas, I think that will be a good um, a good catch for the Lakers as well. You know, a few guys are on my mind. You know, Brandon Clark. I heard um, Keldon, I believe Keldon Johnson is a good shooter. Clark, I really Keldon Johnson from Kentucky. Yes. Um, I think that he's a good candidate. Brandon Clark, again, from Gonzaga. I think he's a good candidate. You know, he's a good body. Uh, very good defender. Plays really good off the rim. Very good rim protector as well. So I think there's a couple guys that I'm that I'm noticing, you know, that are somewhat in like the um, mid-first round pick range that could be good guys for the Lakers. But I haven't really solidified, um, like you said, on anyone that's like, yes, this is a guy that Lakers definitely need to hone in and really need to capture um, for their draft. Yeah, that that could be that could be, and also. Uh... I also think that the I also think that the Lakers I also think the Lakers it, it, I I actually have Keldon Johnson on my mind for the Lakers because Josh Hart I think will be a good option as well but I also think that uh, Keldon Johnson could also play the three or something for example yeah I, I, absolutely yeah I would agree with that because I don't know what the Lakers want to do with KCP because I'm not sure if we want to keep him next year or not I mean he's done pretty well but. Eh. I mean, I think we should. I think the best option is to let him go. See if you can get someone, pick up someone better. Um, we just need to really rebuild. I mean, if they're not really serving their purpose, they're not really fulfilling their role. I don't see the point of really hanging on to them. I think, I think some of our big guys too. You know, Tyson Chandler. You know, he's done. He's done okay. But I think we can get. I think we can, with the draft coming up. I think we can capitalize on bigger. Um, Centers that have a little bit more potential, um, you know, that are younger, that you can mold, that you can really shape, that, that are willing to learn, pick up some skills, you know, really, really better themselves. And I think that's what we need. I think we need a fresher look on, on our team. And I think we need to really hone that on. We really need to focus in on that when it comes to the draft. And I think let go of guys that just aren't really serving their purpose. Yeah, Absolutely. And also, uh, uh, now let's talk about um, let's talk about Giannis. Do you think he's now the new face of the NBA? I think we are looking at it. 
I mean, I wouldn't call him the new. I wouldn't say that he is the the actual face right now. Seeing it, seeing it right now, I think it's you know between him and Harden really for MVP. I think, but I think to answer your question, yes, I think we are looking at it. I think no one would have thought a small market team would climb to the top of the Eastern Conference so fast. Um, you know, I think that going into when he was drafted, everyone knew that he was going to be something special. Um, you know, he's. You know, Bucks have had the league's best record, fifty-five to nineteen. You know, they could become the first team to reach sixty wins, and you know he's he's become the second NBA player to put up um, twenty-seven points, twelve rebounds, six assists, six assists per game. The second, the first person to do that was Oscar Robertson. You know, he's averaging four dunks a game, sixteen points at the rim. He's probably the best best defender in the league, averaging ninety-eight seven percent from the um uh for defensive rating so i think we are looking at it i think he's a phenomenal player i mean he's fun to watch he's a great defender he can swat he can guard i mean we're looking we are looking at it i think it's gonna be a it's gonna be maybe take williamson to really contend that once williamson gets into the league and um has some experience under under his belt. But, yes, I think we are looking at the future of the league. We are looking at the future of the league there, that's for sure. So, for the playoffs, what we're going to expect in, in two weeks when the NBA playoffs start, I think there'll be two sweeps in the first round. I think the Bucks and the Warriors will sweep their opponents in the first round, but everything else will be kind of an exciting series that could go either five games, six games, or seven games. I completely agree. Warriors are and- I say the Warriors and Bucks will sweep their opponents in the first round is because I think I think they'll get off to a good start in the playoffs, and then I think whoever they play in the second round, I think they'll 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 sweep again, and then I think the Eastern Conference, East and West Finals, will be exciting to watch. I think so too. I think whoever ends up in the final two, I think it's going to be an exciting um, championship run to watch. Um, but like you said, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think Bucks and Warriors are going to sweep it out. And I think whatever, I think the other teams are going to have good runs. I think it's just going to be exciting. And for me, I think it's going to be exciting to see what this new look Toronto team is going to do. Um, I'm really hoping they can go farther this this time around. Um, I think they need to buckle in and really buckle up and really just focus in and just just play strong throughout this last these last two weeks and going into the playoffs. I think I will. I think. The six and all Canadians around me want to see them go um, far. I know a lot of people are rooting for them, and I, as as course for my of course for myself, I'm rooting for them to be in the final two. I think it's going to be tough, but um, I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see what they're going to do. I think uh, I think my East Eastern Conference Finals prediction will be. Uh... The Toronto Raptors against the Milwaukee Bucks, and I think the Milwaukee Bucks will win it in seven. I think they're definitely going to be the final two in the East. Um, I think that, you know, the Raptors are going to push it as much as they can. Um, I, I don't I, – I, I'm still rooting for my Raptors. I'm still rooting for my Raptors. I know it's going to be tough for them, but for right now, I'm going to root, I'm going to root for the Raptors. So, really um... – my final NBA thought of the day is that if the Lakers – I think Luke Walton wants to make a case that he wants to prove to the Lakers front office that he's still their coach moving forward. And also Jeannie Buss did say that she's not going to be in 
she's not going to be the one that's going to decide who fires Luke. And she says that whatever Magic and Rob decide, it's up to them. And I think um, that's I think that's fair. I think I think it's and I think ultimately it is going to be those two guys to really to really uh, make the final decision. As we all know, they really are the two guys that are really um, going to be the ones that are going to really rebuilding be rebuilding this team. My NBA final thought of the day would be I'm excited to see what Lakers are going to do tonight. I hope that they can really turn this game, turn the um, last two weeks of the season around with a win tonight. And even though it's not regarding the NBA, I'm really excited to watch um, the last um, remaining Sweet 16 matchups today in the NCAA tournament. Absolutely. So with that being said, uh, I'll talk to you next Friday and you have a good weekend. Same to you. I look forward to talking to you next Friday.